Actor Kate Blanchett was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert recently. Via Zoom, of course, because Corona. But the conversation was actually lovely. They chatted about homeschooling her kids. They swapped Bob Dylan lyrics. They were smiling freely. It actually felt very organic. Which is one of the things, strangely, I appreciate about this time we're living in right now. There are no stage lights, no makeup team, no hyped up studio audience. The in-house band was nowhere to be found. Just human beings being human. But let's be honest, we still want to know what celebrities are up to, which is why they are still attempting to film these shows right now. And yet, while many of Colbert's viewers had their eyes fixed on Kate's smile and the fancy pajamas she chose to wear, there were a number of people fixated on the bookshelves directly behind her. Yes, we know Kate's film and television catalog, they thought, but I wonder what she reads on her downtime. What characters does she get lost in when the camera isn't rolling? They leaned in and thought, what is that book right there? Should I be reading it? What if I told you that your life right now is worth noticing? This is the Attention Collection. I'm Anthony Garcia. Years ago, the Pulitzer Prize snubbed publication Us Weekly started this feature called Stars. They're just like us. It was basically paparazzi pictures of celebrities being human people, unaware these moments were being captured on film, of course. The images would be placed alongside taglines like, they pay for parking, they pump gas, they pick their wedgies. I would always joke and add taglines like, they chew their own food. They breathe using their noses and mouths. It was ridiculous. I, I think it still might be a thing. Basically, it was an excuse to follow famous people around 24-7 under the guise of showing the public that they're just like the rest of us. Well, in the time of corona, there's a new, albeit more wholesome version of they're just like us. People are watching these Zoom interviews that are popping up all over with celebrities, and they're checking out the celebrity bookcases. They're checking out the scenery in their homes. Oh, that's a piece of artwork. Where's that from? What are these books all about? And then they're freezing the footage and zooming in on the titles to get a feel for what these notable figures are reading. I read a piece about this in the New York Times, and I'll be honest, I'm impressed to know that Kate Blanchett has all 20 volumes of the Oxford English Dictionary at her disposal. And if you listen to her interview with Colbert, it's clear to me that it's actually a collection she puts to use, not simply decoration. But it begs the question, why do we care what public figures are reading in the first place? Well, I suppose it's for the same reason we want to know where they shop, what they eat, and which exercise routines they're currently using. We admire these people. They've reached positions of authority or notoriety that many of us aspire to. We want to know. 
How did you get where you are? In many ways, this is the perfect attention collection question. What shaped you? What were your influences? Which voices did you give ear to and which did you ignore outright? Full disclosure, I have purchased many books based simply and solely on the blurbs or endorsements of people I respect or whose perspective I admire. Oprah has steered me in the right direction many times, and I'm not ashamed to say so. Shout out to Oprah if you're listening. She's not listening. Anyhow, my life has been enriched by the many times people have opened up their attention collections and shared them with me, whether directly or indirectly. And for that reason, there are a couple of lines in that piece in the New York Times that really got me thinking about all this. Gal Beckerman writes, Bibliophiles do not approach bookshelves lightly. A stranger's collection is to us a window to their soul. That resonates so strongly with me. Getting the chance to see which authors and ideas had a hand in shaping someone's life is not something I just take lightly. I'm fascinated by all the ingredients that make up the dish, so to speak. It's an honor, frankly. But the idea that if I read the same books and study the same concepts as person X, it's going to make me like them or put me in the same position as them is a little misguided. And that wasn't at all the thesis behind Gal's article, but I believe it's an underlying assumption that many of us carry around. I wholeheartedly believe that no two people ever read the same book. All the words might match up, the cover might be the same, we may even be in the same book club, we might even live in the same house, but my experience reading the book will be different in many ways from yours. We may have some overlap and we may come to similar conclusions, but it just isn't the same book. If you don't believe me, ask an author. Or better yet, read the book reviews on Amazon. You will leave the page wondering if the people in the reviews are even talking about the same writings. So what's the point? For me, there's something magical that takes place when a person opens a book. And I don't think magical is too strong a word here. There's ideas that have been percolating for years, even decades, that someone crafts into sentences and then paragraphs, stories and imagery, and then an author pours her soul onto a page and generously just offers it up to the world. That is an act of vulnerability because someone is going to take it and receive it and love it and someone else is going to rip it to shreds, perhaps even literally. And then... You and I walk by the title in an airport or scroll past it on an Instagram account or we see it on a celebrity's bookshelf and something about it stands out. The title or the cover art, the author's name. And so we give it a chance. We offer a stranger our time, many times our money, and we sit with their ideas, their stories, their longings, their fears and aspirations. And it gives us language to the innermost thoughts we've been carrying around, or it bores us to death. 
We never know until we dig in. It's alchemy. It's risky. It's a sacred experience, in my opinion. And it's not just the book. It's what happens when that book is filtered through our lives, through our experience, through our frame of reference. You bring something to the work, and then it's transformed. An exchange takes place. This is why someone can read a religious text and go out and build a shelter for the marginalized and the forgotten, and another person can read the same text and go out and blow up a mosque or shoot up a church. No two people read the same book. No two people listen to the same song or watch the same movie. When you engage a creation, it fundamentally changes because you are an alchemist. Reading the same books or analyzing the same data as Warren Buffett won't turn you into a billionaire. It just won't. You may get a glimpse into his perspective. You may expand your own. But you are mixing compounds that Warren Buffett doesn't have access to because they lie within you. And vice versa. The question then becomes, which elements can I find to help me become the most fully realized version of myself? This is why I've learned to not even try to finish books I'm not into. I've learned to accept that it simply isn't for me, no matter what so-and-so thinks about it, no matter who else is reading it, no matter how influential it was for other people. Now that doesn't mean I don't stick through some dense or difficult sections of a book or give an album two or three listens before I form an opinion. Sometimes you have to give something a chance to sink in. But sometimes a piece of art just isn't for you. Or at least not in this season of your life. And that's okay. I'm also learning something else. I'm learning to be more mindful of my recommendations to others. I don't do as much evangelical endorsement as I used to. I try to share things with people that I believe will resonate specifically with them. But this means I have to actually care about them enough to know what moves them, what piques their interest, what inspires or challenges them. And I'll be honest, that doesn't always come easy for me. Because it involves the next layer of actually seeing another person, looking past myself long enough to care. But it opens the door for meaningful communion if you're willing to engage. And that's what we're all doing here, isn't it? Looking for ways to feel less alone, to find inspiration through a community, to find other people who see in us the person we hope we are, or at least hope to become. And the truth is, it's out there. You just have to know that you bring just as much to these exchanges as anyone else. This applies to the books and music and art and film and conversations you engage with. So yes, take the recommendations as they come. Take from celebrity bookcases if you have to. On Zoom. 
not in person, that's creepy. Go to events and connect with new people. Just know that you are co-creating every story you read and every relationship you encounter because you are an alchemist. You take the materials you encounter and transform them into something special by mixing them with your experience and with your unique expression. And speaking of endorsements, if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it with a few hundred of your closest friends. Subscribe wherever you listen. And if you aren't already, please join us on Instagram and on Facebook, because that's where this monologue becomes a real conversation. Until next week.